Okay, sweetie, ready. <laughs> Somebody's not muted, and I can't seem to mute everybody. So please mute yourself if you're the unmuted person. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> I was speaking to you for a while before I realized I was muted. And I was just telling everybody to make sure you're muted. So welcome, good to see you all. Um, we'll begin with the sitting. Please uh, put yourself in the seated posture or in whatever posture you want to practice in this evening. Could be sitting, sitting on a cushion or a bench or a chair, or you could be standing if you would like, or you could be lying down if you would like. It's very helpful if you are sitting on your sits bones as much as possible so that there's an uprightness in the spine that comes from the pelvis being slightly tilted forward, whether you're in your chair or your cushion or your bench.
and letting your body come into alignment, meaning you might check and make sure you're balanced from left to right. Sometimes people lean from side to side to find the middle. Or make sure you're balanced uh, forward and backward. And letting the uprightness and the spine go through the back of the neck. So that the head is balanced on the top of the spine in a very relaxed way. And all of this becomes the basis for our embodied awareness. Letting the awareness begin to saturate the body or permeate the bodily experience of just being here and being alive. And of course, that style of sati, of mindfulness, is not being mindful from a distance, but being aware from the experiential reality that you're in touch with, meaning feeling the body or sensing the body or knowing it from the inside And it's so simple on one level that it's difficult because we always start looking for something more when in fact it might, you might experience it as very little. It's just the sensations of your body that are, that is alive here right now. And we want to let, for the moment, we want to let the thoughts or feelings or ideas or beliefs or what happened today or what's happening in the world be in the background and letting the aliveness that's sitting here come into the foreground of your awareness. And it doesn't mean the body's always comfortable. Sometimes it's 
not comfortable, or sometimes the body doesn't feel so safe. So if you're, if you have that feeling of unsafety or can't land, just land in the small part of your body, something that does feel safe, like your feet or your elbows or your shoulders or finding a place that feels comfortable enough for the moment. And if one is comfortable here with the body, of course, you can start to be aware that the body is breathing without having to, without having to do the breathing. Letting the breathing do itself and just becoming aware of it, knowing it. observing it, feeling it. As you become more settled, more embodied, more here with the realness of your aliveness, please feel free to be mindful from this presence that we're establishing of mindful embodiment and be aware of whatever arises in the space of awareness, whether it's the thoughts that arise or feelings that arise or sounds or smells, simply being aware of the phenomena that displays itself when we're human and alive. not to be 
enchanted or mesmerized by the thoughts or feelings, but aware of the process of being alive that includes thought and feeling doing itself. You don't have to create any thoughts or feelings. You just want to be aware of them as they appear in the sky of awareness. If at any point you find yourself enchanted by the thoughts, a memory or plan or imagined future, let go of it. Come back to the body and the body aliveness here breathing. Staying very mindful in the present moment of the process of being alive right here, right now. And the only moment that there is, which is now.
if you find yourself enchanted by your computer, let go of it. Notices, emails, texts. Not now. Stay with the magic of simply being here.
Hi, everybody. I'd like to encourage you to see what it's like to stay mindful of your body while you're listening to the talk. I'm going to give a little talk. And then to stay mindful of your body in the interactive part that we'll be doing, um, you know, with questions or comments later. To see what it's like to keep practicing, to keep erasing the line between meditation and rest of our lives. Um, and uh, partly I'm encouraging you all because I was just uh, teaching a silent retreat for the last five days online, which I've never done before. And it was fascinating. We had about 128 people on the retreat. And, uh, and you know, nobody had ever done it before like that, right? They didn't, it wasn't like, oh, you come to Spirit Rock and you get away from home and you said, no, everybody was doing the retreat in their house. And, uh, and we had done enough preparation ahead of time and giving them um, guidelines for how to help, um, how to help program their household if they lived with people. If they were alone, it was simpler. But if they had a partner or children or parents or whoever they had in their house, they had to um, navigate the terrain with them a little bit beforehand so they understood uh, that this person would be in silence basically for five days. And uh, it was very interesting and very powerful. I really, I'm still surprised because we've just finished this afternoon. I'm still surprised at how powerful it was for people and how deep it was for people. And even, you know, some of these people have done a lot of retreats and long retreats. And they were saying, well, it'll be great. And even they were saying, it'll be great when we get back together, but we should do this style once a year because it's so good to do it in our home. And uh, it's definitely caught my attention that this is a great way to teach a retreat and it's very helpful for people. And of course, there were a lot of normal retreat questions that came up during the course of them. And a, a key one that I want to speak to tonight uh, was, you know, why do we want to do a retreat when there's so much need for change or for action in the world right now? Because the world is in action right now. There's a lot going on, which many of you know about, and I'm sure some of you are participating in because there's a, there's a potential that has gotten ignited to really deal with 400 years of racism in the United States of America that's never been dealt with in a real way before. And so it's, and it's just, um, uh, for, me, for me, it's a little exciting to see what might be possible for us as human beings to live together and to wake up together and to, um, and to discover what it is to be real about being human without this um, kind of um, I'm looking for a right word. I want to say insane, but it's not just insane, but this, 
this dynamic of us and them where there's a dominant culture who's who's trying to enslave or control other people and there's you know and it's all based on prejudice and and bias and ignorance and of course there are many forms that this kind of bias takes it's not just black and white you know it happens in in um whether it's with gender or sexuality or with um, uh, economics or or um, education or whatever it might be but but the piece that's really alive in the united states right now is about racism and it needs to be alive it's like we won't survive really if we don't deal with this and and you've heard me say this i'm happy it's happening meaning even not happy for all the suffering that has ignited it but that suffering has been going on for 400 years so even this we were including in the in the retreat that we talked we talked about that because people were saying well why do we need um to meditate right now when all of this is happening and uh and so really what we talked about on the retreat is what does it mean to wake up here and wake up in our life and what is the ongoing pra practice of waking up because waking up is partly about sitting down and really seeing who and what we are and what is the depth of potential that's sitting in each seat here and then how does that reality that you are want to respond to the reality that is outside of your house and that we are also part of and we feel whether we know it or not the the um the fire that's happening in this country we experience whether we're aware of it or not because it's here and we're living in this atmosphere <clears throat> I I uh I like this quote from Rosa Parks who is a very spiritual person. How many people don't know who Rosa Parks is? Raise your hand if you don't know who she is. And don't be shy. I just want to see who knows who doesn't know who Rosa Parks is and I'm going to look at the other screens. And who doesn't know who Rosa Parks is? That's great actually because it looks like every Every anybody not know Rosa Parks, great. Everybody knows who Rosa Parks is because there was a period where a lot of people didn't know who she was, and uh, Rosa Parks said, "To this day, I believe we are on the earth to live. We are on the earth to live, to grow, and to do what we can to make this world the better place for all people to enjoy freedom." and of course she's coming from a deeply spiritual christian tradition but for me that's good buddhism we're all on this earth to make this a place for freedom for ourselves and for everybody and so we can really be here together in a way that is the dharma the dharma living through us and with us and so we were really encouraging people for this 5 days to practice 24/7 at home the whole time and they were you know the schedule was something like 5:30 in the morning they started 
Six o'clock, they had breakfast. Seven o'clock, we believe me, I was online teaching because it was in a multiple time zones. It wasn't just on the West Coast because it's Zoom. So we had people on the West Coast and the East Coast and in Europe. And so it worked best if we gave the first instructions at 7 a.m. And then we went through the day. And then there was a talk that we gave at 5 um, p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. East Coast time, that the people in Europe would hear the next morning when they woke up. And so it was very interesting scheduling, you know, complexity, but it worked for people. And, um, and people were practicing 24-7, which was great. And, uh, um, and, you know, again, the schedule here on the West Coast was starting somewhere around 5.30 and then uh, 5.36, breakfast, yeah, and then going to about 9 at night on the West Coast. Um, and, of course, the people on the East Coast were starting um, um, a little later and ending a little earlier, something like that. I can't remember. I'd have to look up the schedule because, of course, we had them time zone, different times for who and where everybody was. And, of course, we were teaching them just what the instructions are here, especially the beginning instructions. We were really supporting the embodiedness of awareness, the embodiedness of awareness being here. And that's why I want to support it for you right now is sense your body, be aware of your body, be mindful of the liveness that's sitting here, that's hearing me and that's thinking and having feelings and seeing the space between the computer screen and yourself or behind the computer screen. Because there's a liveness right here and that's what we want to wake up. That's where the dharma is. That's where the juice is in my language. And I, I used the poem that a friend of mine wrote, uh, a woman named Linda Creer, who's a colleague in the Diamond Approach. She said, the body of your soul, the body of your soul is a living morphogenic rev revelatory field. The body of your soul is a morphogenic revelatory field manifesting your experience through many channels of expression, a multimedia display of the richness of consciousness. And it's talking about all the different sense doors that we have, right? That are so physical and the smell, taste, touch, thought, feeling, knowing, right, the aliveness that's here. And she's calling it a multimedia display of the richness of consciousness. She said, you with, your, with the elixir of your entering, awake inside the small details of your body's moment of breath, of gaze, of tone of voice, unlock a world of meaning you, with the elixir of your entering awake inside the small details of your body's moment of breath, of gaze, of tone of voice, unlock a world of meaning and touch the living being of your body and its deep sacred knowledge of being, capital B, of being and freedom. Because she's pointing to something about the 
essence of who we are, the innate capacity, the innate freedom that's here. And we find it by coming closer, by waking up to what's sitting here. And it was interesting because, of course, I'm practicing with people this week and it's great to sit that much and learn how to do, do it here in front of the computer, which, I mean, I try to practice 24-7, but the computer is probably the most difficult place in a certain way because it's so there. You know, you're always being drawn into the computer. And even tonight, you know, just so you know this, of course, I scan the room even on Zoom when you're sitting because I want to see, oh, are people falling asleep or how are they doing? And of course, I saw somebody there, he was either writing or he was, uh, you know, doing something on the computer and, and totally uh, uh, enchanted by it. And because remember, when we're here together, you're part of the field. And so if you're not going to meditate, then go offline and come back for the talk if you want it. But really, because don't underestimate the field of the Sangha that's right here, because it has uh, an atmospheric reality. Whether we feel it or not, it's here. And so what I was going to say, actually, the personal part was, uh, so I would walk out early in the morning when I first got up. Um, after I ate a little breakfast, I would walk out and then come back to teach. And, uh, and uh, yesterday morning, was it this morning? No, well, yes, yeah, this morning I ended the retreat. Yeah, it was this morning. And uh, I walk out into the park, which is just across the street. And, and some man was walking towards me and I've got my mask on and I'm walking to the right and I'm assuming he's gonna pass on the left. And he passes, quote, and he goes by and then he says something. And I, I turned, he said, yeah, you, why do you not gotta walk so close to me? And I'm like, totally like pissed, really, to be honest about this guy. You know, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I said, well, I'm walking on the right side. Get, why aren't you on the left side? And he, and he gave me the finger, right? And it was like, and I had this reaction and I felt it in my body. I got really pissed. And then I, and I'm like, I'm on retreat. So I'm continuing my walking. <laughs> and, uh, and it took me about a minute to see that his reaction had nothing to do with me. That his reaction was all about him that there was so much space really where we were. He could have easily walked around if he thought I was too close. And, you know, of course I had said to him, I was on the right side. Why were you over on this side? But he, he didn't, you know, that's what he gave me the finger. And, but it, it, it took me a minute or so and I watched my body relax totally when I understood, oh, this wasn't about me. That for whatever reason, who knows, this guy's angry or he's unhappy, or he's suffering in some way, and I became the object of his suffering. And, you know, and really I felt, you know, I hope you feel better, because I was actually feeling quite good until he started, you know, going off on me. But, but it's, and I'm saying that just because I'm so, uh, it, it again, it was like seeing how 
oh yeah, we want to practice so we can stay present, so we can see what's true, so we can be aware of reality in a real way and be objective about it and see, yeah, even though I didn't like him yelling at me, I realized it doesn't have to do with me. If, you know, I mean, I walk by people all the time. Sometimes they're close. I would rather they were further away, but, you know, I'm not going to, you know, yell at them about it. Everyone, here's, here's what I do. This is Eugene. If people are really too close and I see it, I'll walk like this for a while. And then people, you know, they don't want to run into me. Only one guy has run into me and then he yelled at me, you know. <laughs> but uh, so I have some karma about walking around, but <laughs> I'm working with it. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, and then also practice is everywhere. And so we want to deepen our practice. We want to deepen our capacity to be present and to be awake and to be here and to be aware of what's here because we never know what's going to happen. And so one night, um, a few nights ago, two, uh, two nights ago, I would say, um, I walked out into the park and with my wife and we walk out and, uh, there's a bunch of cop cars and it's like, okay, let's go see what's happening. And so we walk towards the cop cars and then we see the cops aren't doing anything, but there's a big crowd in, in the, in the, I think it's called the music plaza in the courtyard between the big museums in San Francisco, between the de Young and the science museum. And uh, people are taking down statues. Yeah. That was that was a good look, Elise. <laughs> that, Elise went, whoa. Yeah, they were. That's what we thought when we were there. It's like, whoa, this is, you know, and there were a lot of young people, mostly young, not all, but, and they took down a statue of Unipero Sarah, Sarah uh, who was one of the, I believe, friars who started the mo monasteries. That's not quite the right word in California. And, uh, and who, but also enslaved Native people in that process, right? And so, and then they were also taking down a statue of Francis Scott Keyes, who wrote the national anthem, who was a slave owner. And somebody there, I kept asking people, why these people, why are you doing this? You know, da, da, da. just because I wanted to get clear what was happening. And uh, they said Francis, Francis Scott Keyes was a slave owner. And even one of some of the lines in the Star Spangled Banner that we never sing is about his slaves or something, which I haven't checked out, but that's what I was told. And, um, you know, and so something's going on in this country that's quite alive. And that is not, you know, it's, uh, I imagine if it was, um, uh, a long time ago, meaning when I was young, I might have been participating in that way because I was in a lot of demonstrations and riots in, in the 60s uh, because that's what was happening and I was part of it. I was involved in politics in that way and I'm not involved, I'm not going out and gonna pull down statues right now. It's just not my thing, but, um, but I'm, appreciating being exposed to reality and staying mindful of what's going on. 
because something has ignited in this country. And um, yeah, and the, here I'm going to give the other side of it too, which is, I just saw this somewhere in the paper or somewhere online today was that um, uh, a statue of, he was a president, um, Gar, somebody's got to help me, Garf, not Garfinkel, uh, Garfield, Garfield, right? He was a president, yes, Garfield. So somebody pulled down a statue of Garfield because he had a slave. Right, and then the person, other person, wrote in and said, "This is ridiculous. Garfield had a slave because he was given one by his father-in-law, and he immediately freed the man." And so you see, there's sometimes we want to be, we want to be precise as possible about what's true and what is reality, so we can respond skillfully, not out of our own ignorance, right? Even if we're fired up, you want to you want to be able to be mindful of the fire, so the fire fire is used intelligently and skillfully and kindly and clearly, in service of all of us waking up and being free missionaries. That's right. Yeah, Ulysses Grant. Thank you. Is Ulysses Grant Garfield? I'm like totally lost it. <laughs> uh, so the dharma that we learn when we sit like this is about meditation and it doesn't stop there it's also about reflection it's also about understanding and it's also about action and the reason we want to sit like we're doing is we want our depth the depth of who and what we are to be able to respond to reality and there was a lovely um metaphor that i came up with it's not new to me but uh i came up with on the retreat that we used and it's about because people were talking about their personalities and how reactive they were, and then about other levels of who and what they are that aren't just reactive. And so we were talking about how the surface of a lake is uh, not the depth of the lake. And we we're comparing it to our ego structure, meaning being the surface of who we are, and our Buddha nature being the depth of who we are. And the, but the important thing to remember, like the lake, it's all water. It's not two things. It's just we get caught on the surface of who and what we are and think that's the only truth, that our reactions, that our liking or disliking or wanting or not wanting or believing or not believing are, they, are the truth. And we often don't let ourselves put our fingers or our body or ourselves fully in so that we're aware of whatever the conditioning is that we might be reacting from and let ourselves settle so that the depth of goodness that we are and the intelligence and the love and the wisdom that is cultivated and becomes realized or revealed through meditation can shine forth. 
and see that really the real action, good action rises out of uh, a certain kind of peace or stillness or presence that we find. And that's characterized by awareness and love. You know, awakening in, in Buddhism is sometimes described, often described as realizing the unconditioned realizing that there's the condition you know there's the ego structure that's conditioned and needed and important and you don't want to not have an ego you don't want to you just don't want to be bound to that level of reality that other levels of reality exist right here and we want to discover them realize them so they become real in the world so we can do what rosa parks suggested that we can we can uh, make this world a better place for all people to enjoy freedom, including ourselves and everybody else. Mm. Mm. So another word, and this got talked about on the retreat, another word that describes awakening in Buddhism is the deathless. And it's one of the words that is hardest to understand and took me a long time to get in terms of what that means in terms of awakening. And what it's pointing at is the unconditioned. And the unconditioned, uh, we could say, was never born and never dies. And so that's how they talk about it as the deathless one sees that, oh, there's a reality here that's not man-made. That's not made in any way. And it's right here. Sometimes some people see it or it gets pointed at awareness itself is not man-made. It's not a product of your brain. And believe me, for someone who lost his brain, which I did, many of you know that, I had a brain injury, the awareness was still here. Now, my cognitive abilities were not here, but awareness was always here. That never went away. And so sometimes, and, and that never got created. I didn't create it. Did you create awareness? Can you create awareness? Of course, sometimes people challenge me about this, which is always good to do. But then I say, okay, stop being aware, right? And all people can do is say, well, what about when I'm sleeping? I say, well, what about right now? Can you stop being aware? You can't stop being aware because where is the awareness anyways, right? Who could find it? It's not a thing. It's more intrinsic to the nature of reality, to consciousness. Yeah, we, we had this talk on retreat too, because somebody asked a question, because we use consciousness and awareness a lot. And uh, my co-teacher, Sandra Maitri, she said, oh, consciousness, um, awareness is a, a, a byproduct of consciousness. You know, maybe that's true. I'm not sure. They're both good. And, and they're both here, right? Hmm. And there's something else that was clear, and I believe is true here too, 
you're here, you, I believe this, this may be my, uh, this, you may, this may be my naivete, but actually I don't think it is. I really believe this, that you're all here because of love. And when I say that, I mean you love reality or you love the truth or you love the Dharma or you love waking up or you love being free or you love other people or you love the potential that's here for all of us as human beings. And I think that's the reason everybody comes, even if they're suffering, and which we all do, and we all come to the Dharma because we suffer, it's because we love freedom somewhere. Even if we can't feel it, it's based on love. So I was appreciating uh, James Baldwin, who said, love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without. Love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and we know we, we cannot live within. And he's saying it's taking off of our, our, uh, our put on um, personality, our ego structure, our, our image, right? Because we're not an image. We're a living reality, each one of us. And he said, love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and that and we know we cannot live within. I use the word love here, not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace, not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of a quest of quest and daring and growth. And that's a beautiful dharma understanding of love because love will take you all the way to the deathless, to reality, to the truth. And it's part of what we're doing here is we're being aware of what's here and we're being aware of what is aware of what's here. I like to say that at least twice. We're being aware of the particulars, thoughts, feelings, sounds, smells, taste, touch, liking, not liking. We're aware of all the particulars, sights, and then being aware of what is it that's aware of all of that? Because that's right here. And Ajahn Chah would call it the one who knows. And of course, the one who knows is not a thing. And so we want to wake up to both of those. And there was a nice quote that I've used before, but I just like it. It's one realizes that we're a drop in the ocean and that we're, we are also an, the ocean in a drop. We're, an, we're a drop in the ocean, but we're the ocean in a drop. And you're all a beautiful, each person here, a beautiful drop of ocean, of reality, of the truth, of the Dharma. And here's one last way it said that I just saw from Suzuki Roshi, who I have a great love for. He said, wherever you are, wherever you are, you are the one 
with the clouds and the one with the sun and the stars you see. I'm sorry, excuse me, let me say it correctly. Wherever you are, you are one with the clouds and, the, and one with the sun and the stars you see. You are one with everything. This is more true than I can say and more true than you can hear. <laughs> That's great Zen Dharma from Suzuki Roshi. Wherever you are, you are one with the clouds. You are one with the sun, with the stars you see. You are one with everything. This is more true than I can say and more true than you can hear. Just beautiful. Uh, and it's totally accurate, right? Because we are not limited to our physical form. Reality is all right here, right now, and we are one with it. So those are a few thoughts for this evening. And I always want to hear from you, your thoughts, your agree or disagree, like, don't like, anything I've said, reactions, anything else. And you need to raise your hands, go to the participants uh, button, and there'll be a way for you to raise your hand, and then I'll call on you. And please uh, un unmute Miru. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Thank you let for me, the talk. Let, excuse me, let me, I'm putting it on speaker view so I can see you. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, thanks for the talk. And I, um, a lot of, a lot of what you said today, um, just rang a lot, you know, bell to me. And um, I got to, I, and I find a lot of similarities with what I also encountered uh, with last week, the past week, uh, for much just that. So um, I wanted to just share that and also kind of get your thoughts about it too. So I got to listen to a talk um, by um, this person whose name is Jarvis, Jarvis J. Matters. He is a he's an incarcerated person. He's uh, known as a Buddhist on a death row, right? So yeah. for the last 35 years for the crime yeah. that he didn't commit. And um, <clears throat> the interviewer asked him about you know, how do you deal with the uh, guards at the prison who are not treating you well? And then he said that, um, I think about his kids. Mm. So when he goes back to home with his kids, uh, because his father is maybe always angry, run away and they hide in the corner out of fear, or are they running toward him, like, you know, welcoming him? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, I also listened to a Dalai Lama talk this week on Friday. Dalai Lama gave a talk um, and it was broadcast live. So, mm. and he, he did talk about, uh, about the current situation. And he said that- Wait, 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 he talked about what? The current situation in US. Uh -huh. And he said that our future depends on the entire 7 billion human beings. And all of our futures basically is talking about the dependent origination. Uh -huh. And yeah. I was just, you know, that what, what Jarvis J. Matters said, and then what Dalai was saying was basically the same thing. Jarvis J. Matters, even though he's locked up in the prison for the last 35 years, he may die tomorrow, but uh -huh. he's still thinking about 
the others um, and then he's knowing that he knows that that we're all one as you exactly what you mentioned right. and then the same right. message is Dalai Lama so it was as if like they're so different and they're <laughs> but uh, they're you know the same level of the I think awakening so right. I just wanted to share that and but when you when you mentioned the oneness that just came to my mind great thank yeah. you no beautiful and Jarvis Masters I believe he's the man who talked about the bird. Right? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you know, he's got deep dharma and understanding and beautiful being. And, uh, you know, and may he be free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Thank you. Don, please unmute yourself. Don? Maybe Don, did you have your hand up by accident? I'm not seeing you now. Don, yeah, okay, you're there, but maybe you didn't want to speak. Okay, Allison, please unmute. Okay, are we having Dharma problems, Allison? There you go. Wait, I needed you to let me unmute. Oh, oh um, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank right, you. Um, just as apropos statues, um, just a short uh, anecdote. I lived in Santa Cruz in the 70s, and there was a a man who is a, a former logger and a wobbly. His name is Tom Scrivener. Oh yeah, wobblies, boy, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> and um, we used to go to the same bar and one night he said, I, you know, a college student, an art student came up to me and she said, I wanna make a sculpture of you and then we can put a statue of you up in Santa Cruz because you're a street musician here and everybody knows you. And he said, statue me why I haven't killed anybody <laughs> and he said the only people who are made into statues are people who have murdered others <laughs> that's, that's but to this very, day there's a, there's a, a statue wobbly, it's a very wobbly <laughs> viewpoint <laughs> yeah, that's great thank you okay so none of us want statues right Who else? Anybody else? Great. Robin David, please unmute. There you go. Hello. Hi. Um, so going back to the beginning of your talk, um, mm -hmm about the excitement and the potential of everything going on right now. Mm -hmm. And then kind of bringing in this man that passed you on the street and the angry reaction. Um, and also bringing in this Buddhist on death row, which I also listened to this week. But anyway, um, my question is, 
if you're very aware of everything going on right now and you're concerned and excited about it, how do you deal with um, the reaction? I know it's a very basic question. The reaction to, you know, the the other sentiment in our leaders or in the country that, you know, disrespects this whole groundswell that's going on around the world. Mm -hmm. And here are, you know, leader and others, you know, just, just disrespect and disregard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah. dishonor. And it's so frustrating and, uh, infuriating, you know, and frustrating and what? Infuriating. Infuriating. So this reaction, you know, so, so your point about passing this person on the street and having a reaction and then being able to come down from the reaction and say, well, you know, that, that's, I'm not going to lose my right. well-being over this because right. I have to stay, you know, present. And, and this Jarvis Masters who can find right. his freedom on death row. So, right. but in the moment when these things are going on and you're concerned about them, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to get back to how do you do that? I right. know. Right. It's practice. Yeah. There's no perfect. I mean, even for me, it's no perfect. And sometimes we have a reaction and it's a big reaction, but don't act on your reaction in the moment. And even if you get, even if you pause for 30 seconds, it's a different world. And cause you're pausing, you're using the mindfulness of reacting and then you have choice and mindfulness brings choice and we want choice. We want to see what's, what's right action and what, 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 you know, like really I totally, I was pissed at that guy and I felt my something like I was ready to go back and, you know, whatever with him, but it was like, come on, that's ridiculous. And they're both true, but I don't have to, I'm not cathected, I'm not bound to my reaction because I can be aware of it. And there's where, that's where freedom is. And so, and that's why we wanna meditate and keep meditating. And so I wanna encourage all of you to please meditate every day. It's so good for consciousness. And, you, your, and the heart that reacts is a good heart. And so then you wanna really keep feeling, sensing, being aware of your own heart, because it's your heart that wants things to be better. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's helpful. One piece of it is, is about reacting, but the other piece is being able to kind of tolerate that this is going on every day. Right, and, and that's why meditation is so important, because meditation itself can become a refuge, right? Because all you're doing is sitting down for a moment in reality and you're alive. And for that moment, everything is okay right here. Mm -hmm. Right? Like right now, everything is okay right here. And you can decathect or you can let go of the world for a moment or for a half an hour or an hour or something. And that's good for your heart mm -hmm. because you know, because you don't want to think about everything that's wrong everywhere all the time. That's not skillful practice. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. Thank you. you. Know, yeah, and be really kind to yourself when you, you know, when it's too much. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. And somebody is sending the Jarvis Masters uh, uh, interview on the chat box. So that's great because I would love to see it uh, or hear it. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm probably hear it. And of course, Elise put on the chat, I'm just mentioning it's not because I'm seeing it, that we're going to be watching a movie uh, this coming Saturday called um, uh, 13th, which I've seen a number of times, and it's fantastic. And it really explains how racism works in this country and the legal structure and et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, there's so many components of it. And we'll talk about it at the, uh, at the meeting here next Sunday. So we'll see it as a group on Saturday, and then we'll, we'll discuss it on Sunday. Okay, thank you, Robin. Who else? It's always nice when people speak up and the Dharma comes alive in the whole room. Emily. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Here you are. Hi. Hi, Eugene. Hi, everyone. I'm not exactly sure how to ask my question. It's also kind of a basic one. Um, new, basic is good. I'm newer to this practice. I have other practices for being in the world and um, and getting through hard times, but um, trying to learn kind of how to use this practice to, to do that. And yesterday I, I was on a Zoom workshop all day yesterday and I felt very inspired and hopeful about what's possible right now. And um, the person who was leading the workshop was talking about um, how even though our lives and material conditions are going to get much harder really for everyone, um, I'm gonna put in my headset because there's a lot of noise outside. Sure. Um, that we actually have, like, if we're engaged in the radical transformation that is possible right now, that we actually will be, our lives will be much better in a lot of ways in the sense that even if the material conditions are harder, that we'll be more alive because we'll be taking on these horrible things that need to change will be engaged with each other and heading towards a better world. Um, and she said, I'm not minimizing like hardships that are going to be happening for us and for many people. Um, and so I felt really hopeful and inspired yesterday. And then I woke up today, like feeling very anxious and scared. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to use some other things that I do to just notice the beauty in the world and that the feelings are really about old things from my early life and not about what's really happening right now. But it just like stuck with me all day until 
and even I jumped in the bay and, and that was great. And that kind of moved things through <laughs> and mm -hmm. I felt much more alive and connected. Wait, wait, um, what, what club do you swim with? Well, I usually swim with uh, the Manatee Aquatic Masters in Berkeley, but oh, our pool's closed, so I just went with my friend. But I saw another swim team there that shifted uh -huh. from their pool to the bay. Uh -huh. But yeah, over in the East Bay. I see. Um, yeah, so I was just... Okay, but want to let's ask you talk, what, yeah. talk about what you woke up with, feeling anxious and yeah. upset. Scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and scared. So that's why you want to be mindful because you're having a feeling. Right. And it's just a feeling. Right. And, and it doesn't mean you want to push it away or deny it or not feel it. You want to feel it because there's a lot of life in that feeling mm -hmm. that we call fear. Mm -hmm. And it's a very normal, uh, you know, animal instinct, fear. And so, and the more you can be aware of it, the more you can respond skillfully to it and with it. Because it doesn't mean it'll just go away. You know, when, when stuff is happening, um, fear is part of, it's part of our animal nature to be afraid. If, and of course, if you look at any animal, if they feel threatened, there's fear. And what the interesting thing about us as human beings is that we can be aware of our fear and not just believe it, mm -hmm. right? It's an emotion. And, it, and the more we can stay embodied, relax with it, it can start to metabolize. Because I think what happens a lot is that I pay too much attention to it very normal and to I guess really in this believe way it. you're talking about it right the believing so the difference is like not have to push it away but not get attached to it right right not get cathected is the word i use it's mm -hmm. a, it means energetically mm -hmm. caught up in it mm -hmm. and it really and you know um so i you know and i have my own fear at different times usually middle of the night is when mm -hmm. I'm, I'm relaxed enough, oh, all of a sudden I wake up with some fear about mm -hmm. something. And all I want to do is get rid of it. <laughs> but, but what I know to do is actually relax with it. Relax around it. Let it be here. And when I'm not pushing it away, something starts to get metabolized. I start to understand what is it I'm actually afraid of. Mm-hmm. Thank so, you. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, it's really part of practice, so very important and good part of practice. Okay, good. And, uh, you know, I swam in the bay for many years, like 12 years, five, six times a week. It was great here in San Francisco and no wetsuit and, you know, the, the old days. No, I don't know, do you wear a wetsuit? Oh, good. I like that. <laughs> Enjoy your swimming. Okay. Patricia, please unmute. There we go. Hi. Hi. Um, so I also have been having a lot of fear and anxiety. And uh, when I've one of the things that's been helping me is doing loving kindness me um, meditation. 
Great. And I just, you know, will bring my hands to my heart and belly and just to feel my body. And sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night super scared. Mm -hmm. So if I do, you know, may I be well and may I be happy, mm -hmm. may I be safe, mm -hmm. that really... Um, that that tends to help me calm down and then I can go back to sleep sometimes. Uh -huh. Yeah, great, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done a lot of that for myself, especially after my accident. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's what I would do. I would wake up in the hospital or somewhere and and just do loving kindness a lot. I did a lot of loving kindness practice. Uh, and it was great, right? May I be safe, protected, free from inner and outer harm. May I abide in happiness, uh, true happiness. May, may I, I'm trying to remember, uh, safe, happy. I can't even remember the, the different, you know, components of what I was using back then, but it, totally powerful practice. And it really it, changes it a lot. It, definitely can it really it does two things i mean it, it's also it's flavoring the heart in a whole other way and also it's a samadhi practice because your mind is focused on the metta on the loving kindness and so you're not just thinking about the fear and it's very helpful that way it gives us some uh, options for how to work with fear. So I appreciate you bringing it into the room in this way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, I'm just remembering, yeah, may, may I be safe, protected, free from inner and outer harm. May I abide in happiness, true happiness. May I be healthy of body, heart, and mind. And may I live with ease of well-being. That's always my I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I keep it really simple. <laughs> simple is good, totally. I'm just you just you've you've lit it up in me by bring it. But I, I love the last so. one. May I live with ease of well being. That one's just one of the I somehow that's the sweetest one for me because it's so simple. Right. Okay, thank you. Who else? Don't be shy. And even if you're shy, speak anyways. Shy is good. Oh, there we go. Gaston. Hi. Um, Hi. I have a question. Um, Please. We, we are, we've been on quarantine for four months now. Thing. I'm not counting, but a long time. Three months, hundred days. Feels feels like more. Um, yeah, it does. For someone uh, living alone, yeah. Um, I and listening to the meta meditations and things like that. Um, you know, when the Buddhist goes on a retreat for several months, you know, uh, by her or himself. Um, I imagine there are some practices that could be useful for somebody that's quarantining all this time. Absolutely. I, I wonder if you could talk about some of that. Well, meditation, 
and loving kindness are the two main practices, but also do some walking practices, some movement practices, and get outside, you know, which is really important. And also keep moving your body, do a little exercise if you can, whether it's you can do walking or you can do running, which a lot of people are running these days and it's good, or bike riding. People are doing bike riding and you don't have to do any fancy bike rides, but just where do you live? Are you in no, this city? In San Francisco and I'm doing all that stuff. I think what's getting more difficult is that even when I'm outside, you're alone. You know, so if I go to a park and yeah. I see groups of people, yeah. Uh, better so yeah. it's it's i'm noticing it's starting to be challenging in that way that all yeah. the bubble is inside my house and it's outside my house too yeah no that's really important what you're asking and i don't have a good quick answer for you and but it really makes me wonder what are people doing who are alone and do other people in the sangha have any ideas about what might be helpful and how have other people is there a way to make some contact, even at a distance, with other people outside, you know? And I, I, I'm just not tuned in. Like, how are people, I don't even know if they use this word anymore, dating, right? And, and things like that, right? I mean, how do you meet somebody, right, at this point? And, and can you, is that possible? And so, so maybe you've already done this, but... Have you Googled it? Have you said, put a Google in about being alone and contact? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel it, so I'm starting to ask the questions and, and look for answers. Yeah. And the other thing is maybe you want to, you, you know, here's, this is a little more radical, but you could start a single people support group during COVID-19, you know, and make it, you could do, you could, you know, and I'm just brainstorming here with you, but, you know, put out a, a, a call for people, Buddhists who are single, living alone, and who would like a little more contact with people. Just say what you would like and, mm -hmm. and, and then see what happens. Because, of course, you're not the only person experiencing this, that I'm sure of. And, and yeah, so I'm glad you brought it into the room so we could, you know, give you a hug, even though it's virtual, you know, because really it's hard and hard to be alone all the time. Thank you. You're welcome. No, thank you. I'm glad you, you brought that in. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Um, trying to think if there's any announcements we need to make. Elise, is there any announcements we need, need to make? Um, I think you did it, Eugene, about the movie on Saturday, that it's a precursor to the talk on Sunday. And yeah. um, the donate page is in the chat box as well for Donna. And I also posted a link to the Facebook group. So that's uh, also a good place to go for um, online check-ins and events. And, and is, there, is there community possible through Facebook on SFI? I, I just don't yeah. know. Yeah, okay. It's a Good. private group. We have about 70 so people right now, and you have to request to get into the group. Um, and so once you're in there, whatever is said is contained in that private group. No mm -hmm. one can Google 
and just get in there. So right. it's all uh, private. Great. Thank you. And uh, just because of my naivete, maybe you can help me like, if I want the Jarvis Masters, do I just click on it now in the chat? What, yeah, uh, you can do that and it'll pop up in another window. Wow, that is totally wild. I love technology when it works. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, and yeah, it's, I'll just... Sorry. Okay. No. Um, and I'll just say a, a little bit about Donna. I forgot uh, that uh, uh, Lise has posted the Donna uh, page for SFI uh, for donations. Maybe Allison posted it, it looks like, actually. And please, uh, we appreciate your generosity. It goes to support SFI and the different... Uh, the different events we're sponsoring and what we're attempting to do. Also, the Donna goes to me, so I appreciate the the generosity. Keeps everything going, and uh, let's just take a minute and do a little sharing of merit to end the evening. And uh, uh, okay. Um, taking a moment to appreciate this moment and our good fortune that we could be here together and uh, practice together, reflect together, investigate together, the Dharma, this time, what it is to be alive right now and how we can wake up together both in our meditation and in the world and make this a better world for all beings. And may our good fortune and our blessing go out in every direction, touching beings in every world. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May we all be free from suffering, free from confusion, free from ignorance, racism, misunderstanding. May we awaken together and realize our Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom and love. May all beings be free. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.